Hello, everyone. Victoria here. And today I have the pleasure of having Mark. He's the founder of the Past Life Awakening Institute, an amazing instructor, one of my dear mentors and professors for spirit releasement therapy. And today we're just going to have a very organic conversation, not being scripted here. And I just want the people that are listening that are watching the video to connect with his energy. If you're thinking about training in any of these hypnotherapy, um, clinical uh, hypnosis as well, past life regression, between life regression. I mean, you do it all. So <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to see you again. I know, right? If oh, I, oh. I was just telling you how, how much I missed connecting with you so often. Yeah, always a pleasure to hang out. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So would you like to give us, um, you know, I want people to know your story. I, you know, I think in the training, we got a little bit of it. And I, even I have people reach out from you to me saying, hey, I saw you on Mark's website. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, tell us about your story. Uh, sure. So my background is uh, I was born in New Zealand, had a pretty conventional upbringing, went to university, went into financial markets. Uh, in my early 20s, following a conventional path, and then had uh, uh, then traveled. So I went to London, worked in financial markets there, but then traveled and happened to go to India and had some awakening experiences. So <laughs> I, I started learning uh, Tibetan Buddhist meditation, doing yoga, and just the act of traveling, it makes you question or see from a different perspective the conditioning that you have as a person and the, the alternatives that are there. And then studying some of the wisdom traditions are really connected with and resonated with deeply. And so some of those awakening experiences uh, made me question some of the life path that I'd been on and really and put me on another one. So I developed an interest in the subconscious, the superconscious and meditation. Mm -hmm. And that then ended up going into the subconscious and hypnosis and hypnotherapy. And that was a part of yoga as well. I've got yoga nidra, which is a sort of a sleep yoga suggestion and hypnotic states. So I was really interested in those correlations. One thing I did notice when people were meditating is that they go into meditation. And in one sense, that's, you know, the, the beginning and the end. That's the answer. Do this, follow the path of enlightenment. Why do anything else? What I did notice is a lot of people going into meditation with unresolved traumas or issues, and that would get in the way of their meditative results. So I became pretty interested in understanding what kind of, uh, how uh, issues were coming up from their subconscious while they were trying to meditate, and then how you could deal with those to enhance, you know, to be able to get back to meditation. But that could be an entire therapeutic process. And I had friends as well that were suffering through some of the, you know, past issues. And, I, and people who were ostensibly very successful in life in many ways, but without those issues handled, it didn't really make a difference or the money, success, whatever, if you're not right and at peace, you know, with yourself at a deep spiritual level, then who cares about the rest of it, you know? And yeah. uh, so it made me question the way I valued things and financial markets. You look at how to value things and give things a value. And, uh, and I, th I just perceived a lot of misvaluation in the world that people would, mm. you know, so basically a lot of what we think of as gold or as valuable, I think is really false gold, which is the spiritual or mystic perspective, which is, you know, let's, uh, uh, and value uh, the spiritual path more. So I left the conventional path and walked, went on to the spiritual path fully in, uh, uh, yeah, in when I was 32. So my awakening experiences happened when I was 26. So there's a 
you know, a six-year process of integrating and transitioning. And then I studied in India. I lived in India for four years. I've been living in Thailand for 15 years, uh, living in Buddhist cultures and following the healing path professionally full-time for almost 20 years now. That's beautiful. So uh, I'm interested in knowing, like, and I think I know, but for those that are listening, when people are meditating and you're saying that their issues is getting in the way, how does that look like? Uh, simply people sitting in meditation retreats being told to follow their breath. And these are 10 hour a day, 10 day, no speaking meditation retreats, wake up at four 30, go to sleep at nine or 10. Uh, and, uh, Vipassana is one of them where they have uh, a one hour discourse via video at night. And the Tibetan Buddhist ones were similar 10 days, 10 hours a day meditation, but actually maybe seven hours because three hours would be discussions, teachings, uh, uh, debate, discourse uh, within uh, small groups. But the main point is you're away from social media didn't really exist then anyway. This is the 90s I'm talking about. But <laughs> either way, you will fight away from TV, books, your friends, distractions, getting drunk, whatever you do to not look at yourself. Uh, and so it was really just being face to face with yourself and the nature of your own mind continuing to chatter away and keep you company. And after about four days of the mind continuing to run loops on that, eventually you start looking at yourself in a way which is a little more clear, which is partly seeing a lot of the nonsense of the chatter and eventually allowing, once all that dissipates, after about seven or eight days, things can pop up uh, from your subconscious memories uh, you, so you tend to review a lot of uh, the experiences that you've had that may have shaped you. And as a hypnotherapist, often those, we can see those as being causative events and it can then bring up unresolved traumas. So mm -hmm. people who had uh, made difficult choices like having abortions, people who had difficult childhoods and had some abuse and they haven't thought about it, they've blocked it out. And, you know, after about day eight of meditating, that kind of stuff comes up and they're forced to face with it and deal with it in one way or another. And often that way is just abreacting, breaking down in tears, leaving the uh, retreat and uh, not knowing what to do and being somewhat re-traumatized or, yeah. or, or, <laughs> what, or whatever. And so, so that, that was one of the reasons I thought, you know, and so the, the assistance given then is, you know, just follow the breath and, you know, come back to the, uh, the teachings and which is useful uh, and works for some people, but for, but for, you know, serious, significant. So there's a simple remedy to what may be a simple problem, but also maybe a complex one that requires uh, more work. And so right. for the, the, the complex ones that need more work, and I noticed, you know, I had friends in that situation and myself, I, I uh, my parents divorced when I was, uh, you know, in my early teens and I'd sort of, uh, you know, shrugged it off, dismissed it. Um, and, but in my mid twenties, I realized uh, and faced, face the pain of my inner child and the pain of our, but not only my own suffering, but the suffering caused by people who love each other unintentionally uh, and, and examine that from a empathetic perspective of seeing it through the eyes of every member of my family. And so it really mm -hmm. detached me from my hurt inner child, myself, my pain. They did this to me. I'm a victim to, we were all just in a situation. We all suffered. We all hurt. We we're all brought together by love that we ended up creating a lot of pain out of that. And so then I had a cathartic release. Uh, and they say, if you haven't, if you haven't wept in meditation, you haven't wept, you haven't meditated. <laughs> <laughs> and 
So, so it was that kind of thing. So that was a release and a breakthrough. And from that, I then, and this is the nice part of meditation as well. It can be nice. You can have a therapist that can come in and assist you. But I found naturally the inner super conscious, uh, inner wisdom uh, of myself was able to step in and give me this, this, this technique of seeing things from another perspective, but also was able to, uh, to, to give me a peace with the situation and help, help enable me not just to forgive my parents for whatever actions they took that harmed themselves and me, but uh, to understand it from a biggest perspective and to, you know, to forgive it also just to be at peace with it. And, and the part of it had been, I'd been walking around with that kind of pain uh, or, you know, a heaviness or emotional residue for 10 years and had no idea that that was the case. But um, it was affecting me through anger and, uh, you know, would, would have come up in my own relationships, but I didn't know it. I was unconscious of it, asleep to it. So once I awakened right. to that, you know, conditioning in me, I was then able to deal with it, resolve it. And that made my relationships and my own emotional uh, states going forward a lot uh, better. In mm -hmm. fact, you know, without that, I don't think I could have become a healer. But, you know, going in and resolving and healing oneself. Uh, made it uh, made it possible to to so to go on that healing journey. And once you really see and learn the techniques and have those inner experiences, uh, and exp uh, personally, it helps you uh, be able to take other people through that journey. Right, right. And when you were talking about the meditation um, that you did, you reminded me of the dark rooms where we go into a dark room for days and we don't come out yeah. <laughs> until somebody unlocks the door from the outside. <laughs> it's like Oh my God, everything is coming. <laughs> but you know, uh, also one thing that I find is that a lot of people that are, that are very good at meditation, astro traveling and so on, a lot of the times we have dissociation issues because we don't want to feel the pain. So we want to go and travel, see other things. And it's like, that's a checkout technique. <laughs> Yeah. I did that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see that. So I spent, you know, years and years in ashrams and monasteries in India, and I saw a lot of people being motivated by a lot of things uh, in uh, that practice. So actually, so the story that it just told was really how I understood about the subconscious and hypnotherapy and regressing to past events that are affecting me, you know, from 10, 20 years ago. Uh, but when I continued to meditate, Having dealt with that, having peeled away that layer and resolved it and understood it, I then would have spontaneous past life regression in meditation. So my core of my practice and message is really you know, uh, emphasizes regression through this life and past lives. But what you're talking about now is how I got initiated into more spirit releasement therapy. So I had a girlfriend who was uh, very into uh, a yogic past. She'd be meditating a lot longer than me when I met her. And uh, she was possibly the more the kind of one you're talking about, which is so I was uh, just, you know, having too much fun in the world to notice any past things and then finally saw it. So I, I wasn't trying to flee the world by going on meditation. I was just trying to have, you know, one of 10. I was riding motorcycles across the Himalaya, paragliding, just doing every like, you know, cool activity you could. You enjoying just, life. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I was running head forward first towards all the joys of life. But uh, so that's one category. And then I, uh, but then another one is people run, you know, uh, w wanting to sort of check out in a way. And 
Uh, and that is the irony that often people do think, you know, I can, you know, they're sitting on a couch avoiding the world or a cushion, but it's quite the opposite. You're really facing it for the first time in some ways. But absolutely, people can ha have that intention to do one more cool thing, but it becomes a thing that ends, you know, excess doing, or it can be running away <laughs> from stuff, but you end up just facing it more and more. So it really doesn't work in that way either. But uh, so I had a, a girlfriend who uh, went, who initiated me on a spirit releasement path because she was uh, really uh, denying the conventional world, which I wasn't, but she was really reaching out mm -hmm. to the spiritual world, really questing for uh, a big kundalini experience or a connection to whatever deities or entities could help her enlightenment and growth so she was really disconnecting from a lot of people in the conventional world are really seeking to connect with spiritual and spiritual entities mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that's i think that's um that was part of my point sometimes we say we are so spiritual and we're connecting and we're traveling and experiencing but really something else is happening we don't a lot of the time we don't want to be here so we are trying to go to other experiences to feel that connection that we don't feel here in your case you're enjoying life which is completely different like the yeah. point of us healing is to be here and enjoy life right but that can be very hard for a lot of us so and I know that story from taking the the class, but for those that don't know the story, I'm interested in if you can share a little more about that story because that was actually pretty interesting. That's when I I felt like I really connected to you at that moment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so I've been uh, a couple of years on a meditative path. My girlfriend had been five years or so. We'd been in a meditation retreat together, a lot of intense experiences. So you come out of those and you sort of want to reintegrate back into the world. So, uh, and so we're in Nepal in Lake Pokhara, for those that know, a beautiful place. Uh, it's in the late 90s. And we had experiences where, um, where she was more of that, that questing type. And um, so we were together and uh, you know, there's, that, there's a time just as you go into sleep, just as you wake up in the morning when you're kind of in a hypnotic state. And mm -hmm. particularly just as you're going off to sleep, your conscious mind is going and you may start to watch yourself dreaming or something like that. And so it's just about this time of the evening and she was just sort of, we're just going to sleep. And then she sat up and uh, began speaking to me uh, in a different voice. So she'd gone into a spontaneous trance and spoke to me in a voice that was not her own. It wasn't necessarily accented, but it had a quite a different tone. And it was, and I felt a, a sensation of energy in the room, which was something quite different is happening here. And I don't know what it is. And I'd had mm. experiences where, you know, I've been sitting in meditation. I can remember things in my past and, you know, about being a child, that makes sense. I can remember things from a past life. Okay. Maybe I'm going off on my own trip and making things up. And then I might have uh, voices of spiritual teaching, wisdom that I could attribute to any kind of being like that, and I might think, well, I'm just, you know, also I could dismiss it as, well, this is just me, you know, uh, going off on my own trip. Uh, and so I would dismiss things as a little, uh, an evidence-based, analytical, you know, conventionally <laughs> still, despite all the experiences, still a little part of that in me. But so, but to have uh, experientially uh, the, the atoms in the room change, to have the shivers up the spine, to have the mm -hmm. what reality are we living in now kind of experience 
and have someone that you know very well speak to you really as another uh, with a completely different persona. And they said to me, uh, your girlfriend uh, is in the background. She uh, can't hear us, but we want we have some things we want to talk to you about. Mm. So at that at that point, I spontaneously, with no request, no induction, no desire, became a, uh, a, a hypnotherapist, or uh, discussing with an entity attached to or speaking through my friend, uh, mm -hmm. and and that. Uh, and so that conversation went on for, you know, an hour and on that night and I woke up the next morning and I was like, wow, that was a pretty intense night. And she was like, what do you mean? And she had mm. no re recall of it whatsoever. And uh, this went on for a week or two. Um, wow. And it, it initially started with being uh, some interesting things. The messages would be things like, here are the kind of things that she needs to hear or do to assist her on her spiritual path. So there were useful messages that could be helpful for spiritual awakening for her. And then, mm. so I was in, you know, relaying or uh, that was part of the intention behind it. And then it uh, moved on to some things about the, you know, our connection and some of my spiritual path and some overall general lessons about spirituality uh, and so as that went on for some days, I'm like, okay, this is cool, quite interesting, almost to the point where it would be, and there was a sort of a code word or a name, so let's call her my girlfriend Kate, but the entity would be Celeste. And so mm -hmm. after, mm -hmm. after a couple of nights, I'm, you know, as she's going off to sleep, I'm thinking, uh, you know. <laughs> are you there? Here? Yeah, are we going here again? So, uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, and so that would be uh, Celeste there, and then she would change, and yep, there she is. And so we'd, we'd chat away. And so that it became something where I'm kind of getting interested now. But also, while this is happening, I had no idea what's going on. And I thought maybe this has never happened in the history of humanity because I had no interest or background <laughs> reading in any of this. You know, so then I, uh, I went literally to a bookshop in Pokhara and found out about Brian Weiss, where he would spontaneously talk to his uh, client, Catherine. And I was like, oh, well, that just sounds so good. It, it has happened before. I'm not crazy. This isn't a completely unique experience. That's something a lot of people I find who have SRT issues, they think they're the only one. And this has never mm -hmm. happened before, whereas you'd be surprised how common it is. Uh, right. But, you know, I had to go through that. And, I've, and, that, and so that got me interested in uh, uh, Brian Weiss. So that's really where I first really heard that name because of that experience prompted to up from that. Uh, and, yeah, from there, the, uh, over some days, the conversation changed that it went from being Celeste to something I'm not quite sure if this is Celeste or not, but it's still kind of mm -hmm. useful and interesting, to the entity started to, and, and seems to resonate with a lot of the spiritual teaching and wisdom and, and things that I've done, so it felt you know, good and helpful and useful. But it did transition uh, gradually into me suspecting that there were other entities, maybe saying they were Celeste, but maybe they weren't, or maybe they would be another, identify themselves as another entity, but not be quite as smart or congruent and start to feel a little bit off. And then finally, uh, during the, you know, initially during the uh, days, uh, it had been as if nothing, she didn't know what had happened last night. And it was as, as if nothing had happened. But as the days went on, uh, she started affecting her negatively, emotionally and spiritually. To, wow. the point, to the point where it became kind of a spiritual emergency. And she did have to leave and go back home 
to and her, where her father was a psychiatrist. And she went so through. So what do you think happened there? Well, it just turned into what we call a spiritual emergency. So uh, I, I look at the time, I had no idea whatsoever what had happened at all. And mm. part, of, part of my, and so this is when I'm 25, 26. So part of the next six years for me was really integrating and understanding why this, firstly, it's happening to her and creating a spiritual emergency in her, which is her issue to deal with in a lot of ways. Uh, and she went back and got conventional treatment, which was of limited or help or certainly took a long time um, to, to heal from. But it was, then the question was, that's happening to her, but it's happening through her and to me as a witness. So it then yeah. led me on this question of, so it's a great question, you know, like what is happening? Uh, what does it mean? Uh, you're getting messages about her, and a, but just the fact that it's happening is a message in itself. And it made me want to figure out what was going on. So in a way, it was a uh, spontaneous initiation and, and opening my eyes to, you know, this kind of thing can happen. And then how do you deal with it? So I wasn't equipped at the time to deal with it, um, but it made me want to learn how to do that. So, uh, you know, I would be next time, you know, or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. So that's a, a lot, right? Because we have so many people that are going through initiations that are doing their own thing at home. They might not be going through any initiations, but they're tapping in to energies that sometimes they're very, um, there are a lot of doubts. There is a lot of fear. Like, am I connecting to the right entity? How can they, do you have any advice on how can they make sure that they're not um, accepting something that doesn't really have the highest good in mind for them? Yeah. So, so one distinction to make up front is, you know, I was initiated into it, but I wasn't seeking it at all. I hadn't, I hadn't done no study on it, no research. I didn't have any real interest on it at that time but my girlfriend did. And so, but so for me, the analogy is, and I think she was, so I know she was pursuing and had a strong desire to become enlightened. And one, and a quick pathway to that is through a Kundalini awakening. But there's an mm -hmm. irony here. There's, a, there's an issue, which is enlightenment is really the cessation of desire. So the last and strongest desire of all is the desire to be enlightened. And it is that very thing that will block you from it. Yeah. And Kundalini is like, is a short, powerful way through. But for me, it's like, you know, the thousand watt version of the light. But most people are not thousand watt capable. Most, mm -hmm. pe most people are hundred watt bulbs. So if you put I... a thousand watts of power through a hundred watt bulb, what's going to happen? <laughs> It's going to blow a circuit. And that's what happened yeah. to her. Uh, and I think uh, that's a lot of what, what can happen. People go uh, desiring and chasing things that they're not yet prepared or equipped for and can get a bit burned by, therefore. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I first was going through what was happening to me. And, like, I, I do not want any of this. I didn't want it because I didn't want to yeah. deal with it. And there was a lot of hesitation from knowing a lot of things because I was I grew up in Dominican Republic and I, I was around a lot of people that were having these abilities and talking to spirits and passing spirits and one of the things is that sometimes a lot of the spirits 
are trickster spirits that they just want to play with you. They're just, you're inviting them to play with you if you don't know what you're doing. So it's yeah. like I can pass a spirit, but you don't know who you're passing. And then you have a lot of physical issues to deal and mental issues. Some people go into psychosis. Yeah. Well, yeah. So my girlfriend had physical issues and and psychotic issues. Uh, and uh, I, I, I did not. I was really a witness to her journey in some ways. So it was a great teaching and experiencing thing for me. So I might've felt that I'm, you know, this is getting crazy, but mm -hmm. at no point that I did it really, uh, was it something internal? I was always a witness to it and learning from it. But uh, yeah, so I didn't have physical issues. I didn't have those uh, psychological issues, um, but uh, the, and it was, but as you're right about trickster spirits, and one thing that comes to mind is uh, there is a there's a line, which is that if you're wanting to go and connect with deeper layers of spiritual wisdom, that can be uh, just a divine ultimate sense of wisdom or knowing, and it may come through in some kind of words that you hear, and it, but it may and that could just be you know an ultimate clarity of understanding. And may not have any kind of entity. So for me, God is kind of a, a word for the, the nameless. It's not, it's sort of everything. But if you've got a spiritual entity that has a name like Celeste or whatever, then we're dealing with something else, which pro probably has its own conditioning, might have its own agenda. But it can be part of that. How do I distinguish between I'm getting, uh, you know, a, a, a message from unified consciousness versus I'm getting a message from a spirit entity? And I would really want to take messages from the, the former and really on, on a, most of the time, not from the latter, unless it's someone, something like Archangel Michael, which I would consider probably fits in the unified voice of total wisdom uh, mm -hmm. or someone's higher self, which is just another version of them. But other than that, I don't really go to spirits for any kind of uh, wisdom teaching or whatever. Uh, and that, but that, that is something that looks like it had come up and it, and it could have been that Celeste was part of your higher self initially, but the other phrase that comes to mind is once you've got the message, hang up. Yeah. I think that, <laughs> I think that's where things got squirrely because the first night, first two, three times. Okay, fine. And maybe there's a little error in, you know, Celeste, are you there? Uh, and the answer may actually be no, but someone else's. And so, up they mm -hmm. come and, and then the trouble begins and so that can uh, and that uh, but just internally as well i think if people are writing a blank check to any and every spiritual entity that comes up um there as you say they can be tricksters so the first thing is they will appear like and fit the, 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 the and appear charming the devil is a very charming character you know and, yep. and doesn't when you meet him, he doesn't look like a, a bad guy who's all of that. It's the, the real trick in it. It's how charming and, and smart and, 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 you know, nice it can appear in a way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the truth, the, the, the truth comes out eventually the mask slips and things can get pretty dark pretty quickly. And I think that's really mm -hmm. the, the trouble. It's quicksand. And it, once, uh, by the time you're stuck in it, it's, and you realize what's happened, it may be a little bit too late. And so that's part of, you know, if I've walked that path and I've been able to see that, that line, you can go in and help uh, help people, but a big part of it is uh, help, uh, not getting into it in the first place. But then SRT is to help pull people out once they're already in it. But you know, as a right. preventative as a preventative measure, certain measure certainly 
So uh, if you open, and so if you don't hang up once you've got a message and you just got to keep going back to the well, then you'll, the dregs can come up and, and then that's a whole different uh, story. And they, they, they yeah. won't have pure intentions. They will start attaching. They'll start manipulating, feeding off. And, uh, you know, the whole uh, dark journey begins. Right, right. I, one of the um, easiest tricks that I always have for people is if you have a command, that's a problem because spirits of the lies don't give commands. They might okay. help you understand something, right? But they're not going to, they might suggest maybe you should do spiritual development, but they're not going to say you have to do <laughs> spiritual development. <laughs> so the way that they talk to you is going to give us the clue, right? About their real intentions, even from the very beginning. Talk to yeah. us about, Go I was ahead. just going to ask, like, what other commands do you see in pe people you work with? Um, you have to go into X, Y, and Z, into X practice. That you have to put something on the altar. You have to having altar. You when they have, you have to. You must. That that's a clear um, trickster spirit because spirits of the lies will never. Um, the way that I that I see, and even my godmother, who's I think she's ninety five now, she always says the same thing. Anyone that comes through commanding you to do something, requesting you to do something without giving you the option, because there is free will, then you know that you're dealing with a trickster spirit. Yeah, a lot of people I, might not know agree to that. Like some of the occultists might say that's not true because my spirits that are of the lie, they tell me you have to do this. Well, that's your choice. But in my case, in her case, it's always, there is always an option. I, I'd agree with you uh, completely because, uh, and that's, with, that's why it is tricky. Because on one hand, they're telling me to do spiritual practice. But on the other hand, they're doing it with some sort of will and agenda. And so they're dressing up the command with something that's good. And so mm -hmm. they're mixing in the good, and the, the, the good and the slightly off. It's slightly off to be commanded to do something. But what they're commanding me to do is really good. So then probably on, ba on balance, it's probably good. But I would then have yeah. warning signs going off. So if one of the, the qualities I notice in you know, the, the undifferentiated, unified wisdom consciousness is very unneedy. It has no real goals for you. And, it, and the, uh, the big part of the message is uh, rather than follow me as the guru and do what I say, it's... Uh, be free unto yourself, your sovereign being. Don't do what anyone tells you to do. Uh, and really uh, be your, your own inner leader. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and so the voice that people hear that's telling them to do spiritual practice can be their highest inner self, uh, but it, which is non-differentiated from. So it's their own inner voice. If, you, if there's any sense of separation and something wanting right. to, telling you to do something, because that is the, the a trickster technique is make somebody do something good fine looks good but they have made you something do something because now that next they can make you do something questionable eventually they can make you do something bad but that one of the right. tricks is people doing bad have been so brainwashed in a way that they will think that they're still doing good mm -hmm. if, if the ground is shifted subtly in that way and it's like your hair grows and you don't notice it and suddenly but that's people then will double down on it and argue the point with you. And then, you know, that's tricky. 
Right, right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Share with us the type of clients that you see, the reason for having, so I know we do both simple and complex SRT, like at what point do you identify and you see like, oh my goodness, we're dealing with a complex issue here? Yeah, for me, all the clients I work with, I would call complex issues. So there are simple-ish techniques. And so when we talk about spirit releasement therapy, often people think that it is simply uh, identifying an entity which has you want, which is now what normally they've outgrown their welcome. So mm -hmm. they were welcomed in, they were communicated with. Eventually, uh, you realize I actually don't want them around. Uh, but and so therefore, you might say, I bring an Archangel Michael, I send you to the light. Uh, you know, I release you if I invited you or uh, invited you attach in any way, and now invite you to release. And you can go through, uh, you know, a series of you know, uh, scripts along those lines. And in a simple case, the entity will go, oh, I didn't realize, I'm sorry. Or, oh, I, you know, I thought I was, uh, you know, if they're an earthbound spirit, they, I, they wouldn't have passed over. Or if they're a, a simple dark force entity, they'll go, I see the error of my ways and uh, Archangel Michael, I see the light and I'll go to that and that's it. So that's, uh, that, and that can happen in, you know, five or 10 minutes. Uh, and people can do that themselves, or that can happen, or a therapist who has done a little bit of study in this can do it to their client pretty simply, and that, uh, and that will work for uh, a, a certain percentage of people. But what I tend to work with is, and that maybe that entity had been attached for a short time with moderate influence, the kind of clients mm -hmm. that I see often have really significant this life issues, like being incapable of working, not, uh, not being out of sleep, having uh, really serious uh, issues in their relationships with their loved one, their partner, their family, even recently seeing people in litigation just uh, and um, feeling under attack. And even there may be entities attached to people in their life. Uh, and so, you know, it's uh, really seriously affecting them at a personal, professional level uh, in, in this moment. And uh, the, and, and as we go into hypnotic states, we find that these, this may have been happening for decades and that they, and a lot of the actions that they've been taken have been under the influence of attachments. So, right. and, and when they go, and a lot of the causes can be long standing wounds from family relating to money or, you know, uh, self-worth, mm -hmm. esteem, all of these things. So to just go in and release an entity or ask an entity release, a lot of times they'll laugh and just won't. Uh, or, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, or, and, but, you know, uh, and even if, they, even if they do through whatever good fortune, uh, you need to heal the, the wounds or the causes that led them there. And that can be you know, a whole journey in itself. And once it's done, you need to untangle decades of the actions that they took under influence. So this can be a, a, a long process. It can go like this for me, three to five sessions can be the core in which you'll, uh, I would regress uh, series of entities. Uh, I'd regress the client to their causative issues. And that can take three to five. And that's all really, you're spending 90% of the session talking with entities about what, you know, what's going on and why mm -hmm. they why releasing is a good idea. And, and the whole story, but you can do three sessions prior to that as a form of hypnotherapy, 
and you can do three, five sessions afterwards uh, in a way of integrating and people just coming back to themselves. Because part of the trick is, you know, if an entity can trick trick you into thinking it's good by telling you to do good things in a forceful way where now it's taken over the sovereignty and you've relinquished sovereignty because, you know, and that this is one of the tricks in uh, even in a lot of uh, religious teaching, it's, you know, dedicate yourself to and to be a disciple to the, the the master and a lot of times you know that that's useful a lot of times but that's also in the context of a lot of other religious practices but if you just have that mm -hmm. idea of giving up sovereignty to a master uh, without any other you know caretaking uh, uh, processes then then things things can become problematic and if you've done that for decades then regaining sovereignty and sorting through the limiting beliefs and, and the residual emotions that have happened through that can become quite a big task. Right, right. Yeah. Have you ever found that a lot of the attachments can also be coming from past lives? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. And so, yeah. So that is one of the reasons why yeah, I'll regress them to the cause of, you know, the initial attachment. So, so if I'm meeting a person who's 50 years old now, one of the things I want to know is when did this attachment happen? How did it happen? I want to know who is it and, and who are they? But I'll regress people to the uh, the causative events and moments and when those attachments happen, and they can easily be. Uh, I've had uh, people who have attachments come in when they were children or mm -hmm. uh, 40 years ago, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, but absolutely, I can regress and, and then I can talk to that end so I can find out this is when the entity came in and regressed the, and then you might, the bit might be unhealed stuff about, you know, them and their mother. But then right. I'll, so then I'll connect with the entity and then I can talk to the entity, find out its story. If it's an earthbound spirit, it's just a whole nother human existence. So then I regress it to, you know, it died, passed away, attached to my client, but then I'll regress it to and through it, its entire life, which is a past life. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. it, it's now died and attached and left that life, mm -hmm. but then you go through its whole past life story about you know, how it ended up becoming an earthbound spirit, or you can regress dark force entities. And so, you know, and, they, and you'll often find, you know, for one, two thousand years, a dark force entity has been attaching to people, causing trouble. And it may, and it may have been, I've had ones where they come to mind where, you know, they were doing this in the Roman Colosseum days, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, so, so, uh, the, so the, uh, the core for me of how to get a therapeutic resolution is regressing any and everything through whatever means. But also, so coming back to the client, you can regress them to the time the entity attached. And sometimes it could be very early in this life. And sometimes it can be, I had a, an example that I give in one of my courses actually of uh, regressing uh, the, the client to her past life in Japan, where she had been involved in some sort of occult-ish practices and picked up an attachment there and then that had then followed her into this life so yeah. so that's so when i teach spirit releasement therapy the really complex version i really prefer that people are already hypnotherapists and past life therapists and if they're not i make them that and then teach them mm -hmm. spirit releasement because to really do that this this deep level does require expertise and these other right. and between lives regression i really like to have people as having had those trainings because uh, they are so critical to the spirit releasement therapy process itself. So it's really integrated. You can't, to me, you can't do complex spirit releasement therapy without doing, you know, high level past lives between lives and this life regression 
uh, at, you know, right. simultaneously. Yeah, I, I wouldn't see how someone could do SRT, complex SRT, without having the the basics first, right? It's almost like a pre-requirement to being able to take the SRT. And I think you, honestly, I think you're probably the only one out there that is really specializes in complex SRT. Like, I haven't seen anyone else at those, this level, and I have taken other trainings with different groups, and it, it's almost like those are baby steps. <laughs> so your training goes way much further like it really is the real deal so when when i see clients that have um entities and a lot of those entities are coming from past lives um sometimes they had issues in those past lives and it's almost like they're playing the the whole game over and over until somebody gets tired <laughs> i don't know if that's the same or similar experience that you notice with some of your clients yeah, well, I think that's where it becomes simple releasement if uh, if it's been so long that they're just sick of being attached and any little <laughs> flick and they'll go. Because like, that is one way yeah. to heal people. They just get absolutely sick and tired of their issues and just get so bored and over it that they, they can't be bothered, you know, having a, having the issue anymore, you know. So yes. That's, yeah, that certainly <laughs> happens. You know, that's really a default thing, though. So that's kind of, that's a simple, it's a therapeutic resolution, but that you're really getting lucky there which is you yeah. didn't really you all you had to do was show up and say the most basic thing and they'll go okay fine but they they really but don't be you know they're doing all the work for you don't think that mm-hmm. you it's because you did a great job it's because you know, it was really like the some you know the loosest jar on the block and you know not yeah. all it's going to pop off like that you know it's like uh, we're tired of this one <laughs> we want to go <laughs> for sure. makes me laugh so much uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, but uh, I mean, other ones really have their hooks in, and they will uh, go kicking, screaming, fighting, and uh, yeah, do not want to release at all. And you know, it can be a, a, a therefore it becomes you know a long process. Right, right. You know, yeah, but, I, but, I, but, I so, but but it, but you're right. Like uh, actually, I, when you say about the other schools, I don't know because I haven't done them, and I don't, I haven't <laughs> studied them. And uh, so for me, I uh, my, my basis is through William Baldwin's Spirit Releasement Therapy as a text. Uh, and just just through my own initiation and experience with having you know done a lot of just uh, having done a lot of these sessions with people, and that's really what teaches you. And so yeah, beyond that, I haven't studied much, and I don't know what people are offering. But my guess is that you know just the way it is uh, in order to ha- and, and one thing that can happen is that you know you can release an entity, and they can go for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what a but complex releasement with a real therapeutic resolution. For me, it's like people are saying, you know, I'm good at releasing entities. I do it all the time. It's like, well, that's like someone who says, you know, I'm good at stopping smoking. I've done it 30 times. Well, you know, you may not have ever stopped smoking. You think you right. have and, and you did it for a few weeks, but that's not doesn't actually count as, you know, having stopped right. smoking. And if you release entities all the time, then you haven't closed the door to them. You haven't. Uh, uh and you know the before the after and you know the the effectiveness it's not a long-term solution so that is one thing i do see with people coming and you know i I want this one to stick and and i want it to be uh so for me you know when you're disentangling 30 years of influence Mm -hmm. uh then you know it is it takes longer because it is something that is you know and and like as you say this might have been going on for a number of lifetimes they might have been involved in the occult for lifetimes that's another thing, by the way, like, you know, I don't, I wasn't involved in the occult. I wasn't seeking any of this kind of knowledge. 
Um, and, and you may meet clients who also, you know, some people are, you know, overreaching a little bit, uh, going a little bit too far and then in this life and then getting the consequences of that. And you find that out when you aggress into it. But a lot of times people will say, oh, I really have no interest in any of this. So I have no idea where it's coming from. And the answer could be that I, have, I had no interest in it in this life, but I was, you know, up uh, right. in deep, in deep in the last life. And so, you mm -hmm. know, that can give some clarity. But, you know, overall, the, uh, the, the, to get that, the real, so what we're talking about is decades or centuries worth of entanglement. And you're not necessarily going to untangle that simply in 10 minutes by saying, go into the right. Mind. You know, and so, right, that, right. so that for me, like that's the, the outcome I'm looking for is like a really deep therapeutic resolution that's going to clean up lifetimes of things and, and, and free you for the rest of this life and the journey ahead. Right. So if somebody has dealt with 40, 50 years and they want one session to be the magic, <laughs> like I'm yeah. free, but they don't want to do the work or they don't want to pay for the services. So are they really willing and ready to let go of that entity is the question. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, it's part of an education process and it's also like, I don't like spending money that I don't have to either. So I, uh, I don't, I understand where people come from that, but it's part of a thing where, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if I've got a little, uh, a little thing in my car engine and I just want to buy, you know, a new piece of rubber, but there's actually something else in there. And if you don't do it, you know, you can save money and, you know, buy one little component, but you know, three, three weeks from now, your entire engine's going to seize up and right. that's going to, that's going to cost you an arm and a leg and you're going to wish that you paid a finger. Right. You know? So. Yeah. And that, that is my, my point. I do see a lot of people that are saying, oh my goodness, like, why is it so expensive? Well, you had this issue for so long. Do you think it's going to take one session or two sessions? No, it's probably going to take way more than that. So it, I guess it depends on the level of the suffering that they're experiencing. How, how desperate are they willing and ready to let go of that? And it, sometimes people get so used to the suffering that it's easier to be a victim. Yeah, well, exactly. That's part of the disentangling afterwards, that it does become a big part of their identity. And that's one of the tricks that, you know, people do double down. So I've had people who've been influenced to make, you know, obnoxious, uh, divisive comments on Facebook platforms like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, we see that in the culture that people on either side of the debate or, uh, you know, divide, uh, double down and can be pretty aggressive to, towards either one. But ultimately we just want to be at peace and loving towards all of our fellow beings. But, uh, the desire to be right and to go to war is pretty prevalent in us. But the, you know, that can be, so in some cases, it can be fairly trivial. Like I'm in a self-justifying feedback loop. Uh, it cuts off half of the world from me, which is probably not great, but, uh, and it does lock me into this little dark room of my own self that's brittle and, you know, whatever. So it's, it's not an experience it's sort of an opposite of an, an expansive enlightening path but so be it if that's what people do that's cool and they may then they feel they don't have an issue so when i was carrying anger pain sadness from my parents divorce i was probably i wouldn't have acknowledged it and would have, and would have thought also like i'm out there living life having a great time everything's fine or some assholes there my girlfriend is annoying here but so what everything's good but you know so there's there's in buddhism we call it an unsatisfactoriness uh and this, right and as another way of saying suffering, uh, but we also don't know that we've got it. So that's the real trick. Mm -hmm. If you're suffering, uh, but you don't know that you are, 
and or if you're not sovereign but you think that you are then you don't have a problem to be solved you don't need to pay right. anybody anything because right. you know you know everything you're the boss and some you know that because someone else told you that you are and you're them and he's the master well inherently they're not you know if you've got suffering there that you deny then you, you're not going to get it healed but the people that I see, so part of the initial thing to get that treatment is to have the insight that, you know, actually I do, and it would be valuable to, you know, to, to have some of those friends back to do whatever. But by the time people get to a complex releasement, uh, they quite possibly can't go to work. So it's costing them $100,000 a year. Right. <laughs> you know, for the next 20 years. So, you know, uh, I really, if I were to charge, you know, 10%, you know, that the session should be a couple of hundred G's. But, uh, you know, so just the, the question of the, the price you pay and the value that you get, that is it. And I am quite, uh, you know, I do really like to make sure that whatever value I, whatever price that I charge, the value that I give, I like it to be 10x. People should right. get 10. So if people are going to spend, a, you know, some few thousand dollars, I want them to get, a, you know, a lot more value out of that. And if that means I can, Get, go back to work. I can uh, get uh, promoted instead of looked over because of some of my ways or, you know, what value are, you know, a relationship. You know, I do meet people that even a long, long, long way down the line, they've had decades of influence and they didn't get married and have kids. Mm -hmm. and, and if you get in early and you get it dealt with and you have a healthy relationship, then it's, you know, what's, what, what price that? So, and ultimately, you know, what the purpose of your life may be to do this and that. And if you get derailed, then, you know, what earthly price can you put on that? You know, when we're right. wrapped up in the day-to-day -day stuff, worried about our bills and the cost of living stuff and where's this coming from? I mean, it's pretty understandable. So I really take my hat off to people that uh, can get over that uh, and uh, invest in themselves and see the, the spiritual value uh, that they can get through the sessions. Because, you know, it is such an intangible, even if you're like wanting to sell a course or something and it's like, you know, how to get more customers and this will give you 50 grand more worth of sales and you'll pay $5,000 for that course. Because, you know, there's a, there's a clear 10X there. But for the spiritual outcome, it's a lot more opaque. Now, how, you know, th this will be worth $50,000 to you, but uh, spiritually, you know, but mm -hmm. if you can't see that in your bank account, it takes a spiritually aware person to even understand that value. So again, anyone who does show up for sessions and, and, and that's what I was talking about right at the beginning. You know, people, it's very easy to value a 10 times, you know, a, a, your, your sales uh, in your business, in your bank account. But to value the things that are of real spiritual worth takes some sort of insight already. So the people that come for these sessions already have that uh, understanding. And it may be through, uh, you know, the, the real excessive suffering that I just can't go on like this mm -hmm. anyway. Just like what it, do, whatever it takes, it's got to change. Or people right. who understand that, you know, this is really suboptimal and unsatisfactory and I do need to level up in this area because I've invested in all the other stuff and I made another 50 grand. So maybe they can keep working, but a lot of other things are really suffering. And, uh, you know, but, uh, but valuing the, the spiritual outcomes that can come is important. Uh, and and uh, yeah, people that do come for me eventually are able to see that. Right. So the, the way that I see it when I do the consultation strategy calls with potential clients is what is the long term outcome? Like what happens to you if you don't get rid of the anxiety 10 years from now? I mean, <laughs> that could be thousands of dollars just in medication. And some people with a couple of sessions get rid of that. Right. But if they're so 
trapped in the lack mentality that happens to a lot of us because we're so afraid I'm just going to waste that money if I do this. It's not going to help me. So they're already hypnotizing themselves to say this is not going to work. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about the long-term consequences. So a big part of the training that I give uh, for a long time, I was doing uh, in-person training to groups that would get progressively bigger. My first training, I think, had six people in it, which was you know really nice, very personal, very engaged with everybody for the ten days of uh, all day giving t- teaching hypnotherapy. Eventually, you know, you're you're doing twenty, twenty-five people in a thirty people in a room, and uh, you know, you at the end of the the, the training, after many days together, there's five people you can't remember their name, <laughs> and you haven't really engaged with them. So I. Uh, but I now do one-to-one mentoring, uh, with, so with uh, with people, and so that is in less economical for or, uh, for me, or uh, less uh, lucrative for me. But it, I really like the one-to-one contact, and it really helps me mentor people. In, and what I notice is a lot of people have certifications as a past life therapist, as a spirit releasement therapist well, actually fewer in that area, but let's say a past life therapist or even a hypnotherapist, a lot of people are certified. Few people, 10 years later, even if you just go through now and bookmark a lot of hypnotherapy, past life regression websites, go back three years from now. Three years from now, go and see who's still in business. And these people that have good websites are already doing it. Like they're they're in the top 5% to get there. Three, five years from now, uh, 30% of them will not be there. Yeah, uh, it, it's a very tough business to be in, to survive in, to have it as your long. So I've been 18 years full time professional. If I don't make money doing past life regression, I don't eat. And, uh, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of people even do 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 it as a hobby or a side hustle, or the the partner does has the main breadwinning job, and they're doing this as a thing. But if to be a full time professional making a decent money, uh, you know, year after year doing what you love instead of having a job you don't want to do, waiting to retire. Right. Uh, the difference for me, the mentoring that I offer aims to take people from being certified, having the general idea and being quite good. But I th- to, to me, the good don't survive, not in the long term. They don't get paid. You have to be really great to mm-hmm. be here 10 years later, uh, 18 years later, uh, as a full-time professional, only doing what you love, nothing more, nothing less, and, and being paid for it. And to me, if, uh, and so that's a training that I offer. And I, my goal is for people to be in that, if they choose to be in that situation. And so the short sightedness of not paying, you know, really a low amount that I charge relatively speaking to, and because of that, you know, because I had some, because of the, the, uh, the, there are certain uh, turning points that happen on your career. And if you get a certain opportunity for me, it was things like working as a, in paradise, as a visiting consultant in Thailand with uh, uh, world-renowned fellow healers, with uh, royalty billionaires, uh, actors, model, just them, really fascinating Nobel Prize winners, fascinating, interesting people. So I got to be in part of that environment because I had a lot. I was I had all the little opportunities to get better. It happened. By the time I got there, the doors opened, and instead of being on a one-month trial and all well, that was nice, but I think I'll just go back then. Then you self-justify. Oh, you know, I still, I'm living in India. I still prefer it and it's whatever it is. But if you, if you, all those opportunities align, then your whole life keeps going up on that trajectory where you're still able to keep doing what you love and, and exposed mm-hmm. to more things. But if, and, but if, uh, if you're only good or great instead of excellent, then those opportunities can slip by 
And next thing you know, oh, you know, I think I'll start studying another modality or I'll start doing something else. Or, and then sort of you've slipped out of it. And, but people can self-justify it, you know, uh, or, um, but for me, uh, the, the investment and the training that people make uh, has you know, such a long-term big payoff, not just in terms of the extra sales that you can make as a, as a therapist, uh, but also in being able to fulfill your life purpose. Yeah. Well, I think my experience with the program is taking the basics and adding to how to be more holistic as a practitioner to assist the clients that come with different issues. They don't need to know that something is happening behind the scenes, right? If it's something simple, we don't need to freak them out we can just assist them so i for me it was a lot about is this the right approach in terms of am i doing enough for the clients am i going above and beyond because it, I, I see it and it freaks me out when i see different practitioners in the in the different forums that i belong and it's there they have huge alert like this is a warning this is a spirit entity and they're like oh just send it to the light well, that doesn't work. There has to be a process with that. And I think the people that are not going for those type of trainings like SRT, they're really doing a lot of harm to the clients. And, and I think it's about ethics and being in, in like a lot of integrity needs to be, um, it, it has to be part of the core of the practitioner to say, you know what, even though I don't believe that they're spirits, let me do this because I have to be able to assist my clients when they come with these issues even though i don't believe it and the client doesn't even have to believe it either like i think it's just the the mentality of the practitioner to be able to hold space and and guide the client through the healing um and it doesn't even have to be where the client knows oh shit i had entities if it's something simple now, when we're talking about complex SRT, that's a different story, but I'm, I'm referring to the to the simple stuff that I see all the time in the different forums. And you see that, like you said, two years later, you reach out to the person, oh, I'm no longer doing quantum healing. I'm not doing um, past life regression anymore. Or they just got tired because they couldn't get clients. They couldn't get clients because they were not going above and beyond. Exactly right. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm curious, uh, the, the kind of uh, things that you're seeing that, that give you red alerts when people are, uh, when the spirit releasement therapy kind of applicable type situations come up. So uh, what, yeah, what... it's, it's, it's it really, um, it triggers me because I'm like, this is an SRT issue, but I cannot say it because SRT is no something that is allowed in those forums. Like, Oh no, you you cannot talk about SRT. You the, the, no, the, there's no bad spirits. There's no confused spirits. It's just your mind playing games on you, and it triggers me because I'm I'm not going in to say oh you're wrong because if you if you do say that they will they will take the messages down or block you out of the websites because it's no allowed. Like people don't believe or they don't want to understand that. It is a technique that can help clients release the issues. When I do quantum healing, and sometimes the client does SRT first, the higher self will say, well, we needed to do it this way because the person had issues and so on. And these are the same clients that had 
quantum healing sessions. And yeah. in the forums, they're saying, and a different voice came through. It was very aggressive, saying that I want to hurt her and very clear things. And, oh, no, this is just one part of the client that is angry. Wow. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> it just blows my mind. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I mean, I, I am not triggered by those things, just mainly because I, I'm not on any other form. I don't study any other thing besides what I learned nearly 20 years ago and what I've been practicing ever since. But, uh, but so I have a, you know, a non-missionary type approach, which is, uh, you know, even the Buddhists are pretty much, they'll sit there and if you want to know, you have to ask them and you have to, you have to knock on the door a number of times until they'll even talk to you. Whereas the, the Christian approach might be, let's go out into the world, bring them civilization and teach them everything, whether they want it or not. You know, so I very much the sit back and if someone, really really strongly requests and pays for my assistance then i'll get involved and i'll be triggered to help them otherwise i am not <laughs> involved you know but it, that but that is a big part that i find with srt which is that sometimes i do find people who are like looking for it or seeing it in any in any possible manifestation so uh, there's no there's, there isn't overwhelming evidence that it is an srt issue but people will project uh, that SRT may be applicable there. So this is actually kind of the other side of the coin to what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So in your, in your case, it's very, it looks very clearly to need SRT, but there's even what I was mentioning before, which is people will then dig in and double down to their side of the divide. And so just one thing for me is like, like I'm not, I don't have, for me, I I'm, don't see myself as being on either side of the a divide. And that if like, if that's what they're doing with their clients, fine you know everything that is happening needs to happen and that's okay if they approach me I'm, I'll, i may do it differently but what any what it what in anybody else does is their business not mine so i sort of uh, let it be but i also am sheltered from it and then i don't know that it's happening um right I, well I, yeah I, if if you log in and you're part of these groups uh, a couple of those sure, groups yeah. that i belong to when i see this i'm not thinking about a then as a therapist, I'm thinking about the client who is still suffering. And that's what triggers me because people are looking for assistance. Yeah. And if, we, if I go to a, a practitioner that is supposed to know more than me because I'm going to them because I am suffering, I am expecting them to be at a level where they can assist me with the issues that I'm telling them that I have. Yeah, well, absolutely. But I, I think this is one a situation where for me, like, for example, if that would happen to a trainee hypnotherapist of mine, and I would say, this is coming up, the client is saying this and that, you know, you've raised that issue about, you know, do we believe it or not? And you're right, it doesn't matter whether I believe, and even at what level do I believe in it? Because in a way, I believe in them at an intermediate level, but I don't believe it at an ultimate level. All I really believe mm -hmm. in is ultimate unified consciousness and any spirit is some sort of illusionary manufactured of a world in progress. You know, the, the ultimate... In an ultimate reality, none of this exists, but then neither does anything. So that's a mystical right. answer that doesn't help people therapeutically unless, you know, they, they get enlightened. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the, the thing for me was then, if you're a therapist and you're having those kind of things up and you're another sovereign being is telling you how it is, uh, part of it, uh, and you're accepting that, Part of it can be, and it's like just knowing that we don't know some things. 
So there's a lot of stuff that I don't know, partly because I don't read it and partly because not interested, but also partly because there's just a ton of stuff that I don't know. And uh, so I'll have people that approach me. So what to my earlier point, a lot of times people will prescribe SRT when it's not really there. So I'm very careful. So even someone contact, someone contact me recently about foreign accent syndrome, someone who got a car crash, came out of a coma, speaking with a foreign accent, uh, they think it's 1862. What, what SRT or past life regression could we do? She also mentioned rather possibilities of you know, not, not getting involved, which is what I think is a useful thing. Let the neuropsychiatrist deal with it. Let the people go in and do the you know, uh, brain matter operations, whatever it is, uh, to help resolve that. So I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that SRT is an issue. I'm not going to come in and say, I know everything, whatever issues happen to them, I must apply my modality because I know how to fix it and other people don't. I'm ex the exact opposite, which is, you know, let everyone else have a go at it. Uh, I don't have complete evidence that it's entities. For example, this is an example of a few, you know, get a knock on their head and they start speaking it with a different accent or suddenly know Swedish. Uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're remembering a past life or a spirit's attached or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But just on, on, but similarly, if you're a past life therapist and things come in that you don't know how to deal with, or you're not trained on and or you don't know that well, and I also can understand within the context of the forums that if, you know, if uh, your teacher says that there is benefit in just doing what your teacher says regardless, but uh, ultimately, I think that's part of the discussion we're having today is just help, helping people understand that what they've been told may be true, but there can be another, another way of dealing with it. And so for me, the, mm -hmm. the example that you're given when, you know, an aggressive voice is coming in and, you know, uh, particularly about so, uh, harming themselves, that is that that appears on the face of it to be classic, uh, you know, uh, malevolent entity work. And there are ways that we can compassionately, calmly, uh, insightfully deal with that. And, to, and rather than sweeping it under the rug, which right. is the kind of thing that, you know, maybe you can calm them down for that session and you send them off for a few weeks later. But to your point as well, that's the kind of thing where if that's what you're told to do and the outcome that you get is I got through it and nothing bad happened, which is like it kind of went, the session went like, oh, okay. And how was that client afterwards? Like, good. Were they great? Were they excellent? No. In which case, two years later, that person's not in the business anymore. So not only did they not know how to do SRT, they weren't able to fully do this the modality they were trying to do. And all they had to do was say, this is something above and beyond what my teachers tell me. I'm going to refer it on to somebody who can deal with it. And so, and then two years later, or, you know, three months later, the SRT expert has come in and assisted. Three months later, that client is feeling excellent. Two, month, two years later, the, the other practitioner is happy with themselves because their clients get good results. But they don't have to take it on them to be the one who knows everything and who does everything. And that's a, right. a, a problem that healers have, which is putting a lot of pressure on them to heal everybody, but also to feel that they have to do everything and they can't get assistance from others. And so I'm very happy to delegate away or refer to my colleagues who are psychiatrists, psychologists, CBT, whatever it is, let them deal with that part of it. And the end result is our clients are a lot better and then we can pat ourselves on the back and say, you know, I did half of that, as opposed to our clients are not good and we give ourselves 100% of the blame. But, we, but people don't even like to admit 
blame. People are always trying to pass blame. And they'll do that internally themselves, not know they're doing it. And that's why it's like, well, you know, uh, it didn't quite get enough clients and uh, there's actually better, but, you know, real estate's a really good business and blah, blah. And suddenly, you know, all, all of the, 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 the life purpose of doing that is gone. Uh, but, you know, there, there are ways out of it, which is if you can simply refer. But the other part is just education of like of just understanding what it is and that it can be uh, worked with and, and helped. Yeah. So, right, so what right. are, yeah. I, I think to your point, um, when I first, the first time that I had to refer someone, I remember that I had to work through my issues of, I'm not going to be able to assist that person. That person needs a psychiatrist. <laughs> and no matter what I do, that person is not going to get what they need because I don't have the skills to help them. And it was a process of me letting go of, I don't have to save everyone for, you know, like <laughs> we don't have to say to save the whole planet. We just have to do what we can and acknowledge when we can know, um, jump into, you know, especially with emergency clients where they really need assisting and they, they might need medication and so on. So that's yeah. a, that's a great point because we tend to become the ultimate savior. We are going to be healers and save the whole planet. Well, if people have that as a limiting belief, they will burn out. Mm -hmm. So when I talked about, you know, the five years later, who's still a therapist, uh, some of them didn't, uh, didn't stay in the profession because they faded out. They didn't get enough referrals. They didn't get enough clients. They didn't get paid enough. They faded out. Other people who are trying to save everybody all the time will take clients that they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. They will work day and night doing tons of sessions with people, maybe getting paid. Maybe they're really good at marketing and they're not as, but having that, uh, that mentality, you'll burn up and, and that's not good for you either. So we're really trying to balance these things. And that is something I do work with as part of the mentoring and uh, is, you know, healing the healer from whatever past traumas it can be, but also any uh, psychological tendencies, limiting beliefs that are going to uh, trip them up in the decades ahead, I want people to be uh, fulfilling the life purpose as holistic spiritual healers for decades ahead. And if you fade out or burn out, that'll, you know, you might do great for five years, but it's very easy to burn out in this job with that uh, approach and you absolutely must resolve it or it'll, it'll take you down as it takes down a lot of people. Right, right. Anything else you'd like to share with us before I know we're getting to close to an hour? Okay. more than an hour oh my god it seems it seems like a lot less time always flies <laughs> uh, yeah no it's uh, been great been uh, been great to talk to you yeah some really interesting points yeah so uh yeah uh yeah i'd just like that be actually just curious about any other uh, the kind of examples of uh you know that if there are people listening and maybe maybe they're a therapist and they've been in situations where you think you know i was told this and that and i sort of but I think actually, the could, what else could I do uh, if these things come up? Or maybe there are, so maybe the therapists, or maybe there are clients who, like, I was told by my therapist, oh, don't worry, it's just a part of your emotion. But I actually feel that it was a spirit and they didn't understand. And I tried to talk to them about spirits and they shut me down. Uh, so those two categories of people. Uh, do, do you have examples of it? So that's the kind of thing that I, I can imagine would happen. Is that the kind of thing that you see? You mean in the forums when people are yeah, so, trying to so, say that they're dealing with spirits? 
Yeah, so like, do you have therapists who think, well, the official line is therapists don't, uh, spirits don't exist or they're always helpful? And do you have, do you have people questioning that? And so you're tempted yeah. to, to, uh, to say, oh, there could be spirit stuff involved. And do you think there are people who are also feeling suppressed? And, and, and what, uh, yeah. Well, what I see is that they're, the therapists are saying in some of these forums that this happened, they couldn't believe this happened, but it was, they clearly said, I really believe there was a spirit, I didn't believe in spirit, but this is what happened, and they're saying clearly, I didn't believe, but this happened, so now I don't even know how to address this, and that's why I'm, that's what, that's why when I say people need, if they're really taking this seriously, to, and I'm not saying go get 10 different modalities in order for you to feel like you do know what you're doing. But in my opinion, having one modality only that is very limited in what the frameworks allows kinds of put some limitations about assisting the clients that may be coming in with issues. For example, if I have a specific modality that I practice and we don't believe in certain things and I have clients that are coming because they want to experience what else is out there. Aren't those some of those clients that are also dealing with dissociation and they have issues and so on and they're going into traveling and doing this and we're not really getting to the healing. We're just taking them for, for a journey. Like they can, they can do that on their own. So what I'm saying is when people are coming to me, I really... My practice is about helping people heal. It's not about taking the easy way out. So the type of clients that I attract, they are hardcore clients that are dealing with hopelessness, helplessness, depression. They're dealing with childhood trauma, sexual abuse, the hardcore things. So in some of these modalities are more on the lighter side, but when they do receive clients, these therapists receive clients that are coming with hardcore issues, and then they cannot assist them because the, the framework doesn't allow for that. It, yeah, there is a part of me that is like, I wish I could say something. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that yeah. for me, that, that's where I love to step in with mentoring because uh, it, that really is a phenomenon in the healing industry, which is I want to go on and be a healer and a therapist and give spiritual uh, awakenings to help people. And then, they re- then a few sessions in, they're like, God, these people that I'm helping are really messed up. They really complain. Yeah. They got really tough issues. It's really hard. This sucks. <laughs> They're coming. I want to be all bright and positive, but I told them, "Hey, everything's going to be fine." And they were, and then it, then it wasn't. And uh, this, uh, I want to yeah. do something else. And so, so that is a key thing. But also, all this really just loops back to like my initial story, which is so this the whole thing about I'm sitting in the in Nepal with my girlfriend who goes in this uh, spontaneous uh, uh, trance and starts channeling spirit entities exactly the same things happening in a clinical environment with these therapists and at that time i had no idea what to do and so the message to me i might have given is you know go down to the bookshop and read brian weiss so that you know that this this can happen and then spend some years integrating figuring out and learning how to do it but you know if you, if you were to talk to me you know a week after that had happened i'll be i don't know what to do with it but if someone at that time had told me oh no, they, spirits don't really exist and this is all just a fragment of your imagination and just forget about it, pretend it didn't happen, well then I didn't have anyone to say that. But if it did, then you know, my whole life has changed. And so I don't go on this journey of 
exploring and it's not just entities it's all of the regression techniques and expertise you have to develop to be able to work through those things so if i had been shut down at that point in my development as a healer then i would not exist today and so right. if people are being shut down told that the healing that you're giving at the moment which is very limited is all that can be given that's a powerful limiting and not a great suggestion uh, or one that I would counteract with an empowering one, which is I've been on the, if you, if you're stepping onto that journey now, I've been on, on it for 25 years since that occurrence. And uh, I can assist with everything that I've learned one-to-one through that. And that it's, it isn't that weird. It can happen. And, and I can help you through it rather than, you know, pretend it didn't happen and keep doing what you've been doing. Uh, and so that's something that, you know, I'd say to other therapists as a therapist, but also that's something that I do find in my clients. So it was the second part of my question to you is, you know, I do meet a number of clients, just even recently one comes to mind where she's dealing with a lot of spirit issues. She got an, uh, some help through psychologists, psychiatrists, healers, uh, and even some help to a degree with some spirit stuff. But now they're at a point where they're saying, oh, no, this is a figment of your imagination which is just another way of saying we don't know how to deal with it, but they don't want to be honest and say a doctor is very, it's very hard for them to say, I don't know. Right. They're, they're trained to be, you are a God who knows everything about how to heal people and, and they don't. And so that, that, that's a, uh, you know, obviously a lot of doctors have a lot of humility, but that is a part of an inherent training. I, I was actually training as a lawyer and I was, and by the prime minister of my country was my professor and he, I was sat in lectures where they told us, you are the elite. Everyone else are dumb sheep. You will run this country. Uh, so I was <laughs> shocked about the elitism and the, the God complex that was being developed in uh, you know, higher education. So it happens, and that's a conditioning that people need to come out of, and there's a humility that comes with spiritual awakening. So I've, I'll have the humility to, to when this is none of my business, I will happily pass it over to any other healer to do it for me. But if this is something that is really my wheelhouse, I will uh, say, and I, I won't even necessarily contradict them. Maybe they said that for good reason and, and, and there was a good reason for it. But if for any reason they're coming to me and feeling what I've been told by an entity or another human is really off and I feel that I, with your approach, I can regain some sovereignty and some power and here's what I want to do it, then you know, well done to them for avoiding all of that blocking energy and finding me anyway. They've already done a lot of the work and well done to them. And so to anyone else listening who's been told spirits don't really exist, this is only for the kooky, crazy ones, or you know, what, you know, somebody else's way is the one true way in the light and nothing else is really uh, valid and there's a divide. So for me, I'm not dividing whatever anyone else is doing is fine. If those people are attracted to it and not finding me, then they need to be where they are and God bless them. But if they, they find their way to the end of this podcast, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, well done already for listening to it, then that may well, then there's an empowering message of there are things that can be done. And there are people who can understand it, no matter how weird or crazy it may seem. And that there's a, there's a way out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, um, it's 2023 and a lot of people are like, you know, new goals, new year, let's do this. What do you find is the, um, with spirit attachments that are creating financial blockages on clients, any, any advice that you can give us in regards to that or any, anyone, any session client session comes to mind in regards to 
how to unlock that? Uh, for me, abundance or uh, financial things are like uh, uh, a cause and one of a number of symptoms. Oh, no, sorry, an effect. So uh, that it's an effect. I'd, I'd want to go back to the uh, root causes. And a lot of people, I think, see financial issues as being their prime presenting main issue. What, and personally, I see that is rarely the case. Most of the time, the real issue is something else other than financial. And I think there's just a human tendency that we have a hierarchy of needs and we have an urgency to fulfill our basic lower financial needs. And until that's done, we can't afford the time to waltz around India and Thailand and do <laughs> trainings and go on meditation retreats. What are you, some rich trust fund kid or something? And I'm uh, not. I've always uh, had just enough money to do what I need to do. And, uh, not a penny less, not a penny more. Uh, but I, so I do sympathize and I'm, you know, I don't, don't, um, I watch the spending so that, uh, you know, that, uh, that it all was uh, going to uh, purposes that will be valuable uh, for the future or for my spiritual development. That's where, where I invest the money. Uh, and so for anybody else, just wanting to, uh, my first question is like, what do you need this money for? Because most, a lot of people think that they need money for stuff that they don't, you know? So if you can whittle down to the stuff that's a real, you know, they'll, they'll easily spend money on something that's pretty trivial and, and be very hard to spend money on something that's, you know, really ultimately valuable. So I'd just say, really look at the yeah. valuation that you're putting on things <laughs> as a first point, uh, you know, but from there, um, a lot of times, you know, it's like I having issue with money because uh, I, and I haven't spent money on extra training and I'm not quite in getting, getting enough sessions and my sessions are pretty good but they're not exceptional. And then I got an opportunity to go and work at this wellness retreat and, I, and they really like me and they're going to call me back and maybe next year, but it didn't happen. So for me, it's like, you know, just how do you get really excellent at what you're doing and the money will follow from that. And in order to get excellent at it, if you need to invest in it, then, you know, that money is probably pretty well spent. And if you're needing money for anything else that doesn't really align to your real life purpose and spiritual development, then maybe you don't need that money as much as you think you might. <laughs> you know, um, but you know, that is, I, I also have a renunciant kind of Buddhist, uh, wandering monk kind of a background. So I have a bit of a skewed perspective and abundance isn't a big thing for me, but you know, it really does cut, comes down to just being as really good as you can be at your life purpose and, and you'll get paid from that and the money will take care of itself is kind of the way that I've gone through things anyway. So, so apologies. I'm not an abundance guru by any way. <laughs> Well, you know That's that I come from a business background and I had several businesses over the years. So to me, when I see like, let's, I have very wealthy clients and I have very poor clients. Their poor clients obviously are the one complaining about money. But right. when they say, I don't have the money, but then you see that they have the long nails, they went to the salon. What they're saying is that they're not prioritizing themselves That's what in, I was in the spiritual aspect. So. Yeah, I always find that fascinating. That is funny. I was kind of saying that in a, in, a, in a roundabout way, but you're also right. And like, so when I'm working these wellness resorts with people, I did, I have worked with ordinary, just ordinary average everyday people like myself. And I have worked for years and years with extraordinarily wealthy people. 
And one of the things that that really taught me, so I did, you know, it's a terrible name dropping. I work in wellness resorts with billionaires and royalty and pop stars. It's true, um, but it also sounds a little bit like that's a good thing that I aspire to and I have some sort of ego boost from that. <laughs> but really what it did was just teach me that money in itself is so limited in what it can buy. So if a billion dollars could buy you never having pain, never having mm -hmm. any disturbance to your peace, never having anything go wrong, never having any stress, then I would try every, I would do every abundance meditation I could to be a billionaire because that would be awesome. But it, that's not how it works. Money is so, the, the money is so limited in what it can give you uh, that it's almost valueless. As long as you can pay the yeah. basic stuff and not have to worry about it, then, you know, there's a pretty small amount of money you actually need. And any above, above that uh, isn't that is not going to give you what you think it is. And the, and the people that are in that confusion are the ones that don't have it. And so they're the ones that are looking for money because they think it has the answers. The people that have a ton of money aren't looking for it because they know it doesn't. Right, right. And I, unfortunately, I learned that lesson vicariously. I learned not to care about money by watching other people with tons of it not have it. I still haven't been in the position where I've had tons of it. And, and realize that, oh, gosh, I got m so many millions and it didn't make me happy. I wouldn't mind getting to that point. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can relate to that because when uh, I remember when I was younger, I wanted millions. And when I got the millions, I had so many problems. I was like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if this is what I want anymore. <laughs> so, like, 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 an, funny. like an idiot, I jumped off that path in my mid-20s before I got to the, the, uh, the big numbers. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it is it's true. That, yeah, that is that is how it works. So, so yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, life is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to share with everybody listening before we? No, just uh, finish thank for you today. For, just thank you for the work you're doing. You're inspiring, <laughs> and uh, it's great to see uh, everything you're doing. So yeah, thanks a lot for for having me. Thank great to see so you again. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much. And we're going to put Mark's information about Past Life Awakening Institute in the description so you guys can find uh, the website and hopefully check out the trainings. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys in the next time.